I was really when I when I became in my late thirties, I didn't take care of my body. I started eating wrong, and I started like eating a lot of like bad food. And because of that, I gained a lot of excess weight, and I became very heavy. Now today, I run. And I try to keep my weight down. At this time in my late 30s, I got very heavy, and I was approaching 190 pounds, which is extremely heavy. And I thought, you know, that was okay, but actually, it was causing a major problem of sickness in my life. And at nighttime, because I was overweight, I started, and my wife was saying things like, "Hey, you really snore loud." And you know, people snore when they sleep, and you know, as we get older, we we snore loud. But I was like a train wreck. It was like a jumbo 747 was landing in our bedroom. It was intense. My wife's like, you got to get that fixed. I'm right on going, just eating the wrong food. So it got to be a little later. I started having bad dreams and my dreams were always the same. It was, I was in a situation. I couldn't go any further and I had to take a nap and I would close my eyes and darkness would just take over. You know, even though my in my dream I was sleeping and I, I was closing my eyes, this deep darkness was taking over. I could see deep darkness on my eye. And then I would wake up out of this dream, what is called uh, projectile vomit. So I would like sit straight up and shoot vomit. I couldn't breathe. And so I had vomit gargling in my mouth. I know this is disgusting, but and and I couldn't take in any wind or any oxygen. Why? Because I was vomiting. I was it was coming out. You know, at first it was really scary. And then after the projectile vomit would stop, I would like start slowly taking a very small and then the gasp of air that I was breathing in, it would just be like I was just sucking in wind like like I was underneath water and I was drowning and I can finally get out of the water and I, I, I can take in air. And so I, I was like, what, the, what was that all about? I was having this dream consistently and I was doing projectile vomit every month. And every four or five weeks, I would have these episodes. I was kind of stupid. So I didn't go to the doctors. I didn't tell anything about it. And, you know, the next night I would sleep fine. And I thought I was all better. And this went on for like, am I, you know, that crazy thing. My wife would just like sleep right through it. She wouldn't even say, are you okay? And I almost died. I almost died. One day I was visiting a church as I speak at different churches around the country. And I was at this church, Community Bible Church in Cooperstown, New York. I was going to preach there at that church. And I was sitting at this person's house. And I said to the person, I said, I had the craziest dream last night. And, and the guy, the guy, his name was Dr. Lee. I didn't know he was a doctor, a medical doctor. He said, oh, really? Tell me about the dream. I said, well, I was dreaming. I was in your church. I was in the foyer. And all of a sudden, I had to sit down, lay down. And my eyes closed, take a nap. I was getting ready to preach, but I had to sit down in the foyer. I had taken a nap, and a deep darkness came over my eyes. And I was in this deep darkness. And then and then in the dream, I woke up vomiting and gasping for air. And he looked at me. He says, I need to talk to you. I said, really? He says, yeah, I'm chair of pulmonology at Cooper University in Cooperstown. And, and I want to talk to you right now. So we went to his room. And he says, listen, I don't need to do testing on you. I don't need to do diagnostics. I can, I can understand exactly where you are. You have an acute case of sleep apnea. And I was like, okay, is that bad? He goes, well, it could kill you. And sleep apnea doesn't kill you itself, but 
it can cause cardiac arrest. What happens is you go into a deep sleep and because you're snoring, you, you stop breathing and you can stop breathing for two minutes or three minutes. And then for your, if your body won't die from not breathing, so it goes into a shock mode and it wakes you up and it has a vomit that comes out of you. And then you, you're gasping for air. And that's how your body is like an alarm system to stop you from dying. And he says, and if you don't get that fixed, he says, your heart could stop and then you can have a heart attack and die. And that's how um, the great football star Reggie White died. He died of acute sleep apnea. And a lot of people who are overweight, you know, and don't take care of their cardio uh, and their muscle tone get sleep apnea. And what happens is it attacks our neck. The muscles in our neck become weak. And when we sleep at nighttime, our muscles relax and they expand. And it shuts off the airway that you have to breathe. And when that's shut off, you stop breathing. You know, and this, you, you stop snoring too, but you stop breathing. And, and all of a sudden you get this, uh, alarm attack in your body for, it's like an explosion of air comes out of you with the vomit. And that's how you get that airway back open. And then you gasp for air to get it back in. If you don't have a heart attack or if you don't choke on your vomit. So some people never get it fixed and they just lose it. You can die from sleep apnea. You have a severe acute case of it. So um, I was having these attacks all the time. So he says, look, I'm going to put you on a sleep apnea machine, a CPAP. I said, great. So we got this CPAP. I got it that night. You know, he just immediately gave me one and I didn't have insurance at the time. He said, why don't you have insurance? I said, I can't afford it. So he just gave me a machine and told me, you know, strap it on. You have to strap it on super tight because you're not going to like it. Most people take it off. So, man, I put on the sleep apnea CPAP mask and, you know, it comes in here and it has these straps around your head. And man, I just, I couldn't keep it on and fall asleep. I sleep on my side and fall off. You know, and at first, you know, it was just like impossible. But one night I had it on and I had it on for like four hours and, you know, and I woke up so refreshed and I didn't snore. And I was like, wow, that was life changing. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to pull them straps as tight as they can go. And I would wake up and have these big straps, you know, indentations on me and just wanted to keep them in my face and and keep that mask on and i keep that mask on for six or eight hours of sleeping and 30 liters of room oxygen being shot up your nose and straight into your lungs you know and stopping the snoring it was like fantastic and it was like changing but it didn't fix the problem my my snoring and sleep apnea only stopped as long as i kept the cpap on and i still didn't like lose weight a lot and i still had this acute um you know sleep apnea but my body started changing i wasn't sleeping correctly for 10 years and i had sleep apnea severe 10 years and finally i got this you know, I was killing myself. Literally one night I was going to die of a heart attack. And before that happened, I, I met this doctor who was chair of pulmonology You know that right there. Well, I kept that mask on and I was so happy. It, it literally changed my personality. And I can, I, you know, I, I was angry all the time. You know, I became uh, calm. I didn't have like problems with reactions to different problems that I had. And it was just an amazing thing. So God did a work in my life, disease that I had. As long as I kept the CPAP on, but as soon as I took the CPAP off, I started snoring again. And I was like, you know, this is a major problem. And so I, I thought to myself, you know what, uh, maybe uh, I tried losing weight. 
couldn't do it. I'm still hovering around 185, 190 pounds. Now, here I am, six years with CPAP, 10 years of sleep apnea, 16 years with it. And I, I was killing myself. So one day, and I lived off of my credit cards for like two years. I got my credit card debt up to like $50,000. And I wasn't living correctly. I was making a little bit money, enough to pay the minimum balance of my credit cards. But I, I you know, and I had four kids, my wife. And my house, mortgage, cars, my my business, and and I was just failing. And so my wife said, "We don't have any money for food. We don't have any money for Christmas." So I was going down to the food line, standing in the food line at these different food banks in our town. And while I was at these food banks, I would see these different people from my own church that I was a minister at, and it was humiliating. I had to go stand in a food line to get food. Meanwhile, still doing the CPAP, you know, and trying to function correctly. And this time that I was running out of money, it was 2008, and there was a big economic crisis in our country. And I work in nonprofit, and people were not. The first area of disintegration of money when the economy is hurting is the nonprofit. Well, people are getting their money and paying their bills. They don't have anything left over for nonprofits. I was the first one to get hit hard. So we're running out of money and I was and my I, I ran my credit card debt to the max. I had to stop doing that. So I was down at the food line and I was being humiliated by that. And I just thought that God was going to do a miracle for us and give us, you know, more money or whatever. No miracle. I went up to a friend of mine. I said, you know what? I need I need to make 500 bucks for Christmas. I get some Christmas gifts for my kids. and I need $500. He said, this is like October. And, and he said to me, go become a referee. I said, a referee? He says, yeah, you'll love it. You referee soccer. I said, referee soccer? Yeah, you, you do the high schools and you do the clubs and you just become a referee. And you get paid and you can make $500 in a weekend. What's this referee stuff all about? I said, okay. That's all he told me. So I went home and I looked online, you know, Google, you know, how to become a referee. And, man, it was extremely different. So finally I found this site where it says, to become a referee, you got to go to a, a chapter meeting. So I look up this chapter meeting and I go to this chapter meeting and I can't even figure out how to find the chapter meeting or get in. Once I get to the school, I, I, I can't get it in. I don't know where the door is. They got like one secret door that nobody knows where it's at. Finally, I get in there and I meet these guys. I said, hey, I want to be a referee. And they're like, well, you got to take a test and you got to fill out, you know, some applications and you got to take a course and the course is, you know, takes a month and I said, really? You got to do all that? He goes, yeah, you got to do all that. So I, I said, all right, let me go take, let me take the course. So course wasn't until January, 90 miles away. And you had to go, you know, once a week or twice a week for like five weeks. And I was like, dude, I got to drive 90 miles one way, twice a week in the winter to take a course in January before I can even become a referee. I'm like... How am I going to make $500? Well, needless to say, I never got a job. I never made that $500. And we had some friends, some supporters that who support our ministry, Youth Action Ministries. And uh, you can see our Youth Action Ministries right here. And uh, our slogan is Influencing Young People of America for Christ. And uh, I'm Dr. Tony Rizzo, and we preach the gospel reaching young people the Lord. And we were thankful that we had some supporters to help us, and we got through Christmas. Got into this January thing, and Every night that the course was, it snowed, sleet, or rained, and the driving 
was treacherous. I would think, well, oh, shouldn't they cancel the course? You know, it's rescheduled. So we went out. So I took this course. There's like 30 of us in this course, mostly young people. I'm like the oldest dude there. I'm like 48 years old. And I've been living with sleep apnea 15 years. And it's bad. And I take this course and it's like I'm taking all the information. I'm writing notes. Everybody else is like falling asleep. You know, they're not taking notes. They're not doing anything. I'm like up front, front row, taking notes and watching the video, just enjoying the whole thing. The end of the course, five weeks later, you take a test. Everybody takes a test. Everybody passes. I'm the only one that failed. And it's because I didn't understand what refereeing was. I never refereed in my life. The guy said to me, he says, look, you got these six wrong. Go back. What's the right answer for these? He said, uh, he asked me the questions. I gave him the right answers. So the process of elimination now, since I already knew one of them was wrong. And uh, he said, yeah, go fill it out. So I redid it, filled it out, gave it back to him. He says, fine, here's your referee badge. <laughs> I became a referee. I couldn't referee out of a paper bag. I didn't even know how to spell referee. So I I, I find this a signer. I said, can you give me these referee games? I want to go and referee. I, I think I'm this big, fancy referee. I go out and do these games, my, my first games. And, dude, I, I'm not calling fouls. I'm not calling anything. People want to kill me. Parents want to kill me. Coaches want to kill me. And and I went through quite a few pretty heavy situations where some coaches just wanted to take my back. And finally, they called me up and said, look, we're going to take your badge away. I was like, you can't do that. No, oh, yeah, we can. So. A friend of mine, John Campbell, called me and he said, look, I'm going to help you referee. And I'll start you out with children's games and move your way up. You know, that first year, you know, I, I really didn't know how to ref correctly, but I went away to a national referee camp in Rhode Island. These national referees, man, they really took time to explain to me what refereeing is all about and how to do it. And I got done that camp. It was 10 days. I came home. And it was like, it was like, uh, I can actually understand the game, see the game, participate in the game. And so I started refing. Man, I loved it. I started refing like every other day. I was, I was refing five days a week. I was running 20 miles a day. I was doing anywhere from 50, 70, sometimes 100 miles a week running. I did that for two years straight. My weight changed from, I was approaching 190. I got, I got all the way down to 170 and, and even below that, 167. And everything about me was different. I just felt different and, and I was so healthy. But it was because I was running two hours a day. And I actually made a lot of money. I paid for my two daughters' wedding, my son to help with his wedding, paid for my four children's college education, paid for my wife's college education. I did my PhD, all because of you know the extra money that I made in refing. And but I was a ref maniac. I was doing 500 games a, a year. I was running all the time. And I got addicted to running, but I got, to, and then one day, like three years into refing, so I'm 18 years with sleep apnea. One day I realized that I didn't need the CPAP anymore. I took it off and I didn't snore at night and I didn't snore like I used to snore and I can actually breathe. And, and I hated that CPAP machine. It would have straps around so tight, you know, and I could only go four or five hours a night with it. But if I could get three hours of deep REM, you know, then my body changed. I got off as sleep apnea, acute sleep apnea, lost weight, paid for all these different things that I couldn't afford. And this all because I ran out of money. I thought I wanted to become a referee, a, a, you know, alongside with my other full-time job. I thought, you know, I was just making a little extra money. But God used it to change my body, given a healing in my body. I mean, you talk to anybody that has sleep apnea, they never get off. They're, they're on that CPAP 
rest of their life. And God, see, I thought I wanted to make $500 for Christmas, but God wanted to heal me. I thought I needed to make a little money and become a referee, even though I didn't know how to do that. And God wanted me to have that money to pay for all these different expenses, my my kids' weddings and kids' college bills and my wife's college, my college. And these are all high-end expenses, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, you know, refereeing is one of the best-kept secrets. And so I finally learned how to referee and, you know, did some national refereeing in high school, obviously, and licenses I've gotten. Maybe someday I'll make a video on refereeing. God did a miracle. And I didn't even know he was doing a miracle. But he, God knew that I needed a miracle and God gave me a miracle. And then now I look back hindsight and I see. And you see, God wants to give you a miracle. You ask him to be glorified. You ask it not to have a the claim it for your own flesh. And you ask him to make him known. And God will give you a miracle. If God can be glorified and be made known and you not consume it upon your flesh, God will bless you and give you a miracle. Well, these are two miracle stories that I shared, and I'm, I'm going to share some more miracle stories with you. And make sure you stay tuned with how God did a miracle in my life. Thank you. God bless you. God can give you a miracle too. Hey, subscribe to our channel. What about that? Don't wait long. Just go ahead and subscribe and be part of our team and help us communicate truth with everything that we're doing in our life, in our testimony. That's what we want to do. Yeah. What about that?